your Bibles with you, if you turn to Acts chapter 1, we're continuing the theme of revival, and uh, <clears throat> I want to cut in, in chapter Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and these are the last words that Jesus spoke before he went up to heaven. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld he was taken up, and the clouds received him out of their sight. We've been looking this last uh, three Wednesday nights at uh, the road to revival. And uh, this is about part four, the road to revival, part four. And we've been looking particularly at one verse in Acts chapter six and verse four. They gave themselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. You know, that's mighty. They gave themselves. As I said last week, it wasn't a part-time job. It wasn't half employment. But it was full employment. They gave themselves. We looked also last week. At verse 13 in this, this chapter, verse chapter 1, we read that they abode, they abode in the upper room. That speaks of, they actually literally lived there. They lived in the place of prayer 24-7. And we're here tonight, and we're going to take a look at, at hindrances to revival. Why does revival tarry? What is the hindrances to revival? I'm asking tonight, how can we get that gracious movement of the Spirit of God among God's people, which is revival? We thank God for the blessings of God. He has come down. He's, 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 he's touched our hearts here many times in this place. Our hearts has been stirred. And blessed. But we're looking for the floods of revival in this dry and thirsty land. Read in Isaiah chapter six, 64 and verse 1. Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens. Oh, that thou wouldst come down. That the mountains might flow down at thy presence. Can we say tonight, as the fire burning in your soul, can you say that the fire of God is burning in your soul? We read in Acts chapter 1. And, um, no, we read in uh, chapter 1, verse 8. That's what we've read. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. 
and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Do thou, that was a commission that Jesus commanded the, the disciples. We read in Isaiah 37 and verse 3, where the children are come to the birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. We've lost the power to deliver. We read, and also in Isaiah, Zion has, has travailed. She has brought forth children. That's what we need. We need to see the bringing forth of children. Not only to just feel the pains of childbirth, but that would see the newborn child and that would rejoice what God is doing in our midst. Oh, that would see that blessed movement of the Spirit of God. When we'd see the fires of evangelism will burn again. Then the fires of revival will burn in the hearts of God's people. Today, we can ask the question, why, as so many believers are laid back and the world is going to hell, why is it that souls are so laid back and their families are going to hell? They need revival. They need that reviving of the Spirit of God. We need God to, re to revive the dying embers of coal that once was a light upon the fire. Oh, that God would put the bellows underneath the coals and light the fire again. Oh, that God would blow with his wind upon us. Oh, that God would sweep across this congregation. Oh, that God would sweep across this land with a, a mighty movement of the Holy Spirit. If the fire of God is not born in, in our hearts, what's wrong? You know, God desires, God desires that. God desires that, you know, we'll, we'll be born in shining lights for him. Unbelief. We're going to look, first of all, at unbelief. In Mark's gospel, or in Matthew's gospel, you don't have to turn to the, this one. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 13 and verse 58, that's the last verse. And to give you a background, when Jesus was, came to his own country, he came to his own country, he did not many works there because of unbelief. Is this as, is this as far 
as we're going to get. Is this all that God wants to give us? Is this all a blessing that God is going to give? I believe the answer is no. I believe that God has much more than this. I believe that God wants to pour out upon us. I believe that he wants to pour water upon that him that is thirsty. Not just a few drops. Not just a sprinkling. But I believe he wants, he wants to pour out. He wants to literally immerse us. I believe God wants to pour out a spirit in a mighty way upon each one of us, even in this, this room here tonight. I believe that. I will pour water on him that is thirsty and floods and floods upon the dry ground. We're looking for them for them rivers to swim in. Not rivers up to our ankles or up to our knees, but we're looking for them rivers to swim in. God wants to do great things. But we'll read in this passage, he did not many works. He did not many mighty works. He did some. He did a few. But he couldn't do many because of unbelief. I believe God doesn't want his children to go limping home to heaven. I believe that God wants his children to go to home to heaven rejoicing. I believe that God wants his children to go home to heaven in victory. Hallelujah. If you turn over to Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, And we'll just cut in at verse 23. Jesus said unto him, This is the father of the child. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. He was honest. He was honest. I know there's only of us here tonight, and we don't believe. You know, it says here, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. He was honest. Abraham, he believed God. 
I heard, I was listening on a message quite recently about Abraham. And the preacher was bringing out about Lot. And he was saying if Lot was up here in this pulpit, he was describing his pulpit. He says, you know, Lot could testify. He says, I've, I, I've lived a reckless life. I, live, I lifted up my greedy eyes and I went down to Sodom and I lived a worldly life. But he says, I had an uncle and he prayed for me. And he says, the Lord delivered me out of Sodom and he delivered my two daughters out of Sodom. And he says, I can testify. It was Abraham's prayers to holy God that Lord could testify that he became a child of God. He was a righteous man. We read about Caleb. He was an old man. And he said, Give me this mountain. You know, this man believed. The, the enemy was there. There was giants there. But Caleb believed God. He believed that, that God could give him this mountain. You know, God's bigger than all our problems. God's bigger than all our fears. God's bigger than any mountain we can or cannot see. Amen. The, um, <clears throat> we're going to the second point, the point. If you turn over to Isaiah chapter 59... And we'll just um, cut in at verse 13. Isaiah 39 and verse 13. In transgression and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart Words of falsehood. And judgment is turned away backward. And justice standeth afar off. And truth is fallen in the street. If we go on down to verse 16. And he saw that there was no man. And wondered that there was no intercessor. I want to look at this here word and wondered. To think God 
as he looked down, and he, could, he, he couldn't see on the intercessor, and he wondered. He wondered that there was no man could stand in the gap. There was no man could stand in the gap. I have titled this Unconcerned Believers. He wondered. I believe this breaks the heart of God. That there was no man could stand in the gap. That there was no intercessor. I believe no one cared. You know, we are, we are living in, a, in, a, in an age where there's gross darkness, decay, sin in every hand. No one cares. The one day I was driving down to Ballinhinch. I was coming from Seaford. Sometimes whenever you're going coming into Ballinhinch, there's a bit of a queue at the roundabout. So I was sort of queued out the Newcastle Road. And I was coming past the chapel. And I seen somebody walking up the steps. To go and going up to the graveyard. And I said to myself, I says that's an, a graveyard I've never walked around. And I said to myself, I must I must walk around that graveyard sometime. And then quite a number of times I've been past it. And you know where you sort of talk to yourself. Do you know I must I must I must go and and take a walk around that graveyard? So a couple of weeks ago, it was a lovely evening, and I suggested to Carl about walking around the graveyard, and then I would take her to Brannan's for an ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, we went to the graveyard and like, I have to say, the graveyard is well laid out. It's kept very tidy. But it's massive. Like, there's literally thousands of people that are buried in it. And we started up the, at the top. There's sort of, it's a bit of a hill. But we started up at the top, and that's where sort of, obviously, they must have started there burying people there about 100 years ago or so. And then... As the years went on, they got down into the lower part of the graveyard. Well, my, my wife and I, not only did we walk around the graveyard, but we read very nearly every gravestone in the graveyard. <laughs> but, you know, we got down, you know, we're getting down to the 1990s, 2000s, 
and remarkable. The gravestones were so many young people. It was unbelievable. Was, I was shocked to see continually young people in gravestones, 19, 23, 27. There's, there was just an area you could hardly find an old person. They were all young. It was terrible. Do you know, I went to, uh, we did go to Brannan's and we come home and had supper, but boy, I went to bed. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. To think of so many young people in Bunhinch and that chapel. And where are they? Where's their soul? Man dieth and wastes the way. And where is it? Do we not need to pray? You know, we read about Esau. There come a day, you know, Esau, he put his soul up for sale. And we read, he sold it. And he sold it just for a morsel of bread. But then, there come the day there was a big search. Esau done a big search. And he looked. He was looking for some place for repentance that he could get back to God. And you know what the Bible says? He searched it carefully. Carefully. With tears. Do you know I was thinking... Um, what did them young people, many of them probably, what did they sell their soul for? Was it fast cars? Was it drugs? Maybe it was just natural causes. Alcohol. Do we not need to pray? Do we not need to pray for real heaven sent revival? For real outpouring? Of God's Holy Spirit in this day and age that we live in. Do we not need to give ourselves, give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of God's Word? We looked at on belief. We looked at on concerned believers. The third point is on confess sin. Last Sunday morning, I was working this early last Sunday morning, and I got to about eight o'clock, and I got to this point, and asked the Lord to, for me to, for for help, but I just left it, and I went away. But on Sunday morning, whenever I come here. That's what the pastor preached on. <laughs> so they um <clears throat> they um I I the pastor he a thousand times rather preacher than what I am. So I'm not going to I'm not going to uh to um to try to overtake him. <laughs> 
But you know, the Bible says in Psalm 66 and verse 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. It says in Isaiah 59, that's a chapter that we're looking at, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. But you know, we're here tonight and warriors have to go back to the cross. And it says in Hebrews 10, And verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. We are on the victory side. The Lord Jesus Christ, the one who knew no sin, but he was made sin for us. The Bible says he tasted death for every man. And you know, we are here tonight and we worship a risen, glorified, exalted Savior. We worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you know, he wants our hearts to be born in for him. He wants them coals that, as it were, under the ballows, I don't know how as many as know about the fan ballas and the way you turned the wheel and you got the, the, the fire going again. You know, we need to get the fire going again. We need to get the coals burning. We need to get the coals burning in our hearts and our lives and have been fire for him. We read about John the Baptist of old. He was a burning and a shining light. What a testimony. You know, in this dark age that we are living in, we need to be dark. We we need we need to be born in shining lights for Him. You know, we're living in an age of great darkness, but we need a mighty revival. We need that outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, that God would rend the heavens and come down. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Amen.